Welcome to Hope Community Podcast. It's great to have you join us today listening online. We pray you'll be impacted by our message this week. Enjoy. Have you ever noticed in all the different places that you go, there's like a a different, uh, unique, unwritten often, but fairly well asserted way things run in all the different places, your family, workplace, like there's a, there's a way things run and it takes a little while to get to know it. I, when Kerry and I were first married, we've been married about 14, well, a couple of years, haven't we? A couple of, couple of years. But I remember when Kerry and I were first married and uh, Kerry's family's from Melbourne and I went to Melbourne for the first time ever and they have a Boxing Day do, like an extended relative's Boxing Day do that's quite big in Kerry's family. And it was really one of my first experiences of the way things run. In, in Kerry's family because I knew this dude was on but we were still at home in the place we were staying in the morning and I was saying things like yeah okay Kerry well like like what what time is this thing on what time are we leaving because I couldn't see much action about people getting ready and she's like oh well you know just when everyone's ready we'll just go around there and um and I'm like yeah okay so it's lunch and I started getting hungry about lunch and finally everybody ready and we went around there and we we're all catching up with people and I'm just like Kerry how does when's lunch like what time's lunch because I'm starving and she goes oh when when the food's ready you know we'll just we'll just eat and I'm like this is not how I do it Kerry like in my family my family time is the thing like dinner is 6 30 in my extended family do you know what even if it is your birthday due and it starts 6 30 if you're five minutes late you've missed main meal even if it's happy birthday to you, everybody starts eating and, and dinner, dinner, like time is everything. We didn't have dinner that day until nine o'clock at night. And I'm like, man, when are we going home I'm on the couch? It's one o'clock in the morning and the kids are still playing board games. And I'm on the couch going, when is this over? And Kerry's like, well, when it f- finishes, you know. I was like, I'm finished. I am finished. I'm, you know, it was the time thing. It, it was real mind bender for me in, in the way things run. And you know what, what else was, was big for me? The hugging and kissing in Kerry's family. Like you've got to understand about my family. I, I, my, I had a grandmother who sort of lived until I was around 35. I can never remember hugging her. My family is not a hugging family. So if you pick up from me, then I'm an awkward hugger. You're right. (laughs) My family not hugging. We turned up for that rally do that day. And it was the first time I'd even laid eyes on some of these people. And they're like, hello, like, oh, Tim, we're looking forward to meeting you. And all of a sudden I got that dread. Oh, they're huggers. (laughs) They're huggers. And kisses, and so like, I turn up, and and there's these aunties and cousins, and most of them are women, and I'm hi, 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 and I'm the awkwardest hugger ever. I probably held on too long, and then they kiss, and they go kiss, kiss, and on the side, so I'm like, oh no, oh no, like that. Yeah, great to meet you. <laughs> we just like like this, and anyway, I did it like a good new husband I was, you know, I did it. But then I had this horrible, horrible realisation as I watched Kerry follow me behind and the way she hugged and kissed. I didn't know. It's not actually a kiss. It's a moi. 
And I watched as Kerry, mwah, mwah, her way around the room. She didn't actually put her lips on anyone. She just said mwah in their ears. And I realised, oh my goodness, I've literally just put my lips with a physical kiss twice on every woman in this family who I've never met. And it was, and that was the day I realised it, it's, it's called a kiss on the cheek, but it's not really a kiss. You just sort of lean in and say, mwah, <laughs> mwah, like this. And so it was, look, it was really awkward at first for me in, in Kerry's family because I, there's, there was a way, there's a way things run. There's a way things all work. And when you're just first off, you're there, it's awkward. But you know what? Over time, wow, I've really moved in. Over time, I, I've learned it is good to have rally do's that are not about sticking to time, but are about catching up with people. That has been so nice. And it doesn't matter who's bringing what and when the food's ready. It's about just catching up with family. I love the way things run in Kerry's family. And I don't think I'm as awkward a hugger anymore. And I can actually moi with the best of them now. Even the Melbourneites. I, I'm a moi, moi. And I actually enjoy it. Like it's a moment of closeness that I never had in my family. So over time, I've got to know the way things run. And because I've got to know the way things run, I can just move into the fullness and the, and the, and, and the blessing. And so we've been talking about God's kingdom. And we've been trying to go from what can often be a fairly abstract idea in our minds, this term that rolls so easily off the tongue, God's kingdom. Uh, and we've been trying to go from a conceptual, vague understanding of that to an on-the-ground kind of living in reality of what it is to be in God's kingdom and what God's kingdom is. And um, you, I mean, listen to the other two if you, if you want. I'm not going to go and summarise it all. But today I've called this one God's kingdom, the way it all works around here. Because just like any other realm... That, that we go to, God's kingdom actually has a, a way things work. And when we can understand some of the way God's kingdom works around here, it's like we can start to really move in and we can start to experience more of the fullness of what it is to live in the here and now in God's kingdom. So God's kingdom, the way it all works around here, obviously this is a big topic. I've just picked three things that I think um, show us uh, like crucial characteristics of how this God's kingdom actually ticks, how it operates. So are you ready for the first one? Um, so this, this one comes from Galatians chapter 4. The words are going to come up on the screen and I'm just going to read this and see if you can pick up some language in here that starts to help us understand. It says, uh, Galatians 4, 5 to 7. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God 
through Christ. Are you catching it? The language, the titles, it's family. It's familial. So you've got to get this about God's kingdom because it's kind of cool because God's kingdom, as we've talked about, is, well, it, as far as kingdoms go, man, it is supernatural, heavenly of origin. It is high above and immensely more than any kingdom that we have ever witnessed physically here on earth. It's more influence than any. It's a never-ending supernatural realm-spanning kingdom so full of power and life and influence. Like it's just out there and God is the originator of it. God, God. What's more, Jesus, well, he's the king, right? He is the king on the royal throne of the greatest most privileged, most highly esteemed kingdom that there ever is. I mean, we took notice, didn't we, when Prince Philip died? Didn't we? It was kind of a thing. Because the, the, the monarchy, the, the Commonwealth, the monarchy, well, it's a big kingdom. And it's influential and it's powerful. And Prince Philip was, well, he was a prince. So take notice when someone like that dies. Jesus sits as king on the royal throne of the most powerful kingdom there ever will be. And, but just get the language. God is Abba Father. Personal, close, intimate, familiar, daily journey, Dad. The originator of the most powerful kingdom ever is Dad. Did you see in that passage where it says God sent forth his son so we could be adopted as sons? Do you know what that makes the king to us? Big brother. Big brother. By the way, when I say sons, I mean daughters as well. Actually, I mean position. I mean adopted into family. It's not a gender thing for me anymore. used to be. I've changed a bit. Sons and daughters, okay? Sons and daughters, sons and daughters. You got to get this about the kingdom. Not long after Prince Philip died, um, there started being this news that some never before seen pictures of the royal family were being released around Prince Philip's funeral, right? And I, I got a couple of pictures here. Let's, can we have a look at them? Uh, look at that one. It's just a. Family shot there. And that one. We kind of, these pictures are a big deal, aren't they? Because we look on and there's, there's Queen Elizabeth. And there's Prince Philip. Like the lofty, high, powerful position they have in the kingdom. But there's something in our hearts that just melts and that we love when we see them as grandpa and grandma for kids sitting on their laps, great-grandparents actually, kids just playing around familiar with Prince Philip and Queen Elizabeth. And we go, oh, that's powerful. 
That's exactly what we have. This is how kingdom works. We have dad access to the originator of the kingdom. Our big brother sits on the royal throne as king. We're the kids sitting on the laps of the king and the originator of the kingdom as you walk down the hallway of heaven. They've got pictures of us sitting there with father and with brother. You've got to understand God's kingdom. You know what was funny? When these pictures came out, there was comment I saw in the news that, hey, it's, it's a rare shot, a rare shot of Prince Philip in trousers and a, and a jumper or, or that really casual suit that he's wearing right there. Like people remarked that the hey, how normal. But not that I've never worn a suit like that around home before in my life, I've got to tell you. It's almost like people sort of thought that he was Admiral, his formal title in the Navy, Admiral of the Fleet, Admiral of the Fleet. And that's the uniform we often see him in. It's like people thought that's how he dresses around home. And his grandchildren's come out, morning captain, and uh, interact like that in the home. That, that'd be crazy, wouldn't it? That'd be crazy. He's great grandpa. He's granddad. He also happens to be of high rank in the, in the monarchy. This is, this is our God. This is the way it works in the kingdom. We have the beautiful freedom and privilege to journey every day in familial relationship with the originator and the king of the kingdom. And so I just wanted to ask you this morning, think back, think over how you interact with your father, how you interact with the king. What does it look like? Is it dad? Is it big brother? Is it daily? Is it familial? Is it real? Does it work like that? Because that's how kingdom works. That's how it all works around here. Yeah, massively powerful positions in the kingdom, but he's dad. And he's big brother. And that's how he wants us. When you understand that, you can begin to move in to every blessing of what it actually is to live in God's kingdom because it's how it all works around here. It's how it all works. But before we leave this, this idea, this picture, this, this familiar picture, there's something else um, I wanted to show you here that's in this realm. And this is, this is the second thing of how it all works in the kingdom. Uh, just notice this term in the same passage we were in before, Galatians 4, and because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts crying out, Abba, Father, Dad. Daddy, God, Papa. Therefore, you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, here it comes, then an heir, an heir of God through Christ. Just let that word heir just sit with you for a moment. It really stuck out with me. You know, if you're an heir, Yes, you've been grafted into the family as a son or daughter, but it kind of carries that, like it literally means you've been given, you've been allotted, earmarked for you is a portion, like an, an area, like things, like a, like a portion of what, of your father and mother's inherit, like kingdom, inheritance. That's what heir means. You have it. It's been allotted to you. And sometimes 
I don't know if you've noticed, but this inheritance is kind of personalised in being an heir, isn't it? When my grandfather died, he was a car guy. In fact, there's no one else in the family that is a car guy like him apart from me. But he had more cars than I do and he spent a lot more money on cars than I ever do, darling. So my grandfather was worse... (laughs) Worse than me. Um, worse than me. And do you know, you know what he said? He said, when I die, I want, I want Tim to have my tools. I, I, I want him to have my tools. So he personalised his inheritance according to who I was because he knew. So now I literally have my grandfather's toolkit in the back of my car and I work on my car with my grandfather's tools. Like, I kind of get a kick out of that. That's great. Um, and, and so just think about this in terms of being heirs in God's kingdom. And it actually means that earmarked for each one of us and uniquely and personally, there is an inheritance, part of our Father's kingdom that is allotted to us and uniquely personalised. And it's, it's blessing and it's giftedness and it's possessions and it's fruit and it's people. And it like, like we have allotted to us an inheritance of these things in the kingdom that's earmarked for us. Do you, do you get this idea of how the kingdom works? It's inheritance. And we're a little bit familiar about this language, aren't we? Because I don't know about you, but when I do something good, I, I can often be saying, just another jewel in the crown, hey, of my inheritance in heaven. Just, just adding another jewel. And you know when Jesus said, oh, I'm going away to make a place for you uh, in the next life? And he said that like 2,000 years ago now. He's been building my place that whole time. <laughs> Have you ever kind of gone, well, my room is going to be pretty good then, isn't it? Like we're familiar with talking about our inheritance as a jewel in the crown or a, a, a mansion in heaven. You know, that's the kind of language that we're most used to using about our inheritance. But I, I, you've, got to, you've got to see this. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul prays a prayer over the believers. Anyone's following Jesus in Ephesus and, and he prays that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, might give you the, the spirit of wisdom and, and revelation, like to see things that you've never seen before and that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened that you may know. And he says three things, that you may know, like experience and encounter the hope of his calling. But look at number two. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And he's, it, that's here and now. That's here and now. He's actually praying that those believers in Ephesus will have supernaturally revealed to them in this life by the power of the Holy Spirit their unique, personal, miraculous, most unimaginable inheritance the Father has allotted to them and that they'll know it now, here. That's what he's saying. Wow. Do you know, if we're talking earthly, oh, no, we're not supposed to talk about this. I've got a pretty good inheritance coming. <laughs> Everyone's like, can I laugh at that? 
Can we talk about that? Do you know what? My parents, they've worked diligently their whole lives and they've made great financial decisions. And that, that it, like, like just between you and me, <laughs> there's a home in Everton Park, there's a house up at Coolum, you know, there's a, they're getting a bit excited about this inheritance that's coming for me. Like, it's pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, I know, I can hear some cheeky laughs too because that idea, it's tinged, it is tinged with sadness, isn't it? Because I kind of think, yeah, well, great inheritance, but it means my mum and dad won't be here anymore. And, I, and that, to me, is a sad, sad thought. And I was thinking about this here the other day and I thought, you know, you know what would be great? If I could have my inheritance now... And enjoy it while my mum and dad are still here. And with my siblings. That'd be great, wouldn't it? If we, if we, could, if we could do that all together. <laughs> you know what my next thought was? I can. My, in my family, my earthly family, we are blessed with pretty good relationship. We are. And we're not perfect. We're not the perfect family but we all kind of live within each other's vicinity and we do catch up once a week and we enjoy. I enjoy a relationship with my father and my mother. I enjoy a relationship with my sisters and my nephews and these cousins and, like, we enjoy all that. And so you know what that means? There's nothing of the inheritance that is coming for me after they pass away that I can't actually enjoy right now. I can go to holidays for Coolum whenever I want because the house is there. And I can enjoy Coolum with my mum and dad coming to visit and we can do that right now because there's close and good relationship with my parents. And we might often think, you know what, inheritance is what you get when your parents pass away and yep, yep, there is that idea. But in good relationship with each other here, there's nothing of that inheritance that we can't enjoy right now. And I think this is a little bit more of the picture of how kingdom actually works. I know in kingdom there is a fuller day coming in the next age. I know that. But kingdom and, and, and inheritance, it's not all the next age. It's now. It's now as we journey in close relationship, in daily, intimate, real um, sometimes rough, very rural relationship with our father and our big brother, he delights in showing us more and more of the inheritance that we have in the kingdom right now. So I don't know how you think of your Christian life and journeying with Jesus, like whether Jesus is boss or whether kingdom is corporation and in the midst of that you've got a job or maybe a mission you've been given to live out and you're trying to do that. I want to tell you, when it comes to kingdom and how it's worked, you've been grafted into family, real, authentic, powerful family with the most powerful and loving beings of the universe. You are son or daughter and you haven't been given a job to do, you've been given an inheritance to explore. Every day, seeing new horizons of the unique, personalised, diverse, creative, unimaginable kingdom inheritance that is yours and only yours in Jesus. You can explore that every day with your big brother and with dad. That's pretty cool, hey? That's pretty cool. So I don't know if you feel experienced in your Christian life or, or if you feel like you know heaps or if you feel like you don't. You know what's true? There's always more. There is always more. There's more than I ever knew there was more. Because I've felt experienced at one point 
And then, oh man, Jesus showed me. <laughs> Let me show you a bit more of your inheritance. There's more, there's more. So it's not a job, it's not a corporation. You're grafted into family. You have kingdom inheritance to explore. That's how it works in the kingdom. But there's just one more thing, just one more thing I want to show you this morning. And I'm maybe jumping around um, a a little bit, but you'll forgive me of that. Like, I've got to say everything I want to say because this is my last week, you know. (laughs) So we talked about father and big brother of God and Jesus to us and that beautiful familiar relationship, privileged relationship. We've talked about inheritance, but I can't finish off this series without talking about the fact when it comes to how kingdom all works here, the, the currency is love. A kingdom currency is love. And when you think about like what is currency, it's that thing in an economy that has value ascribed to it in itself. And when you deal in currency in an economy, what does it do? It, it releases things of that economy to you. And in our economy, what we're most used to, that currency being is what? Yell it out. Money. The dollar. The currency of the Australian economy is the dollar. So when you have the dollar, you can deal with the dollar and you can buy Slurpees. <laughs> Currency's cool. It's money, it's, it's the dollar. So the currency of the kingdom, the currency of the kingdom. See, if you can pick it up here from this, I'm just going to read a passage of 1 John. I think it's close to where you've mentioned before. Those who are loved by God, let his love continually pour from you to one another because God is love. Everyone who loves is fathered by God and experiences an intimate knowledge of him. The one who doesn't love has yet to come to know God because God is love. The light of God's love shined within us when he sent his matchless son into the world so that we might live through him. This is love that he loved us long before we loved him. It was his love, not ours. He proved it by sending his son to be the pleasing sacrificial offering to take away our sins, then it goes on. Delightfully loved ones. If he loved us with such tremendous love, then loving one another should be our way of life. No one's ever gazed upon the fullness of God's splendour. But if we love one another, God makes his permanent home in us and we make our permanent home in him And his love is brought to its full expression in us. Not sure if you picked it up along the way. Currency of the kingdom is love. Abba, Father's love anointed in our lives in ways we cannot describe. That brings change and transformation That's kingdom. It's then a response from our lives of a deeper love than we ever knew was possible because we've been smashed by love from heaven that we could never even imagine. And so in turn, we just, we love. 
love so deeply transformative in our lives from God that then it just overflows. And so everybody we come in contact with just gets this anointing of this love. That love is the currency of the kingdom. I mean, money might be the currency of our economy and that's cool because I like Slurpees. But when it comes to God's kingdom, you've got to understand in terms of how it all works, it's love, unconditional, agenda-free, pure and powerful, supernatural love that doesn't come from us. We can't make this love. We have to encounter it and be changed by it. And that's kingdom come. That's kingdom come. Just for a moment, think about this. Has anybody here ever, and, and I mean this, like you can put your hand up. Have you ever travelled, wait till I finish the question. Have you ever travelled to another country and ended up with like two sets of currency in your wallet and you go to buy something and you try and deal in the wrong currency? Put your hand up if you've done that. Yeah. What happens? Nothing. They look at you like, you can't give me that for this. That's the wrong currency. That's the wrong currency. Listen, listen to these words from 1 Corinthians. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love. Well, I'm just a sanding gong, clanging cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love. Uh, it's like I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, what, is it, what does it profit me? Nothing. You know, I think it is actually possible to have this heart and desire to see kingdom come in our lives. And it's actually possible to long to see God's kingdom come in the lives of others and all around us, but really be dealing in the wrong currency. See, I think we can do that. Often we're dealing in the currency of effort. More Bible reading, more prayer. And if I do that, God's kingdom will come. Sometimes we deal in the currency of like sacrifice, the currency of missional strategy, or, or, the, or the current any currency like that. But you know what? We get disappointed then when we don't see kingdom come about because in God's kingdom, the currency is love, real authentic heart motivations of a love that we can't generate. And we have to get this from a, like an encounter with the Father's love. I, um, I've got this book. Actually, Dan, your pastor, gave me this book. It's so good because it's like got all these stories of these evangelical church father heroes in it, right? And we love to, we love like, like D.L. Moody and Oswald Chambers and John Bunyan, like, like all these guys that have gone down in history as fantastic Bible scholars and able preachers and all that. But you know, this book is a collection of their own testimonies of the supernatural and unexplainable encounters they've had with the Holy Spirit and God's love. So we look back to them and we go, oh, well, I'd like to be like that guy, like so smart and such a good preacher. But you know what they say? I was what I was because I was changed by God's love in a supernatural link. I want to re- read you one. Can, do we have time? 10.13. I'll be, I'll be quick. I'll read fast just to keep up. 
This is D.L. Moody, right? I've got a bit to read, so just enjoy. I can myself go back almost 12 years and remember two holy women who used to come to my meetings. It was delightful to see them here. For when I began to preach, I could tell by the expression on their faces that they were praying for me. You know those expressions people have when you know they're praying for you. At the close of the Sabbath evening services, they would say to me, oh, we've been praying for you. And I said, why, why don't you pray for the people? They answered, well, you need the power. I need power. I said to myself, why? Oh, I thought I had power. I had a large Sabbath school and the largest congregation in Chicago. There were at that time some conversions and in a sense I was satisfied. But right along, these two godly women kept praying for me and their earnest talk about the anointing for special service set me thinking. And I asked them to come and talk with me and we got down on our knees and they poured out their hearts that I might receive the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And there came a great hunger in my soul. I knew not what it was. I began to cry as never before. The hunger increased. I really felt that I did not want to live any longer if I could not have this powerful service. I kept on crying all the time that God would fill me with his spirit. Then came the great Chicago fire on the evening of that memorable night in 1871 when one third of the city was laid in ashes and thousands were left homeless. Moody had preached at Farwell Hall. With the institutions which he founded in ruins, Moody went east to appeal for funds. But he said, oh, my heart was not in the work of begging. I couldn't appeal. I was just crying all the time that God would fill me with his spirit. Well, one day in the city of New York, oh, what a day. I cannot describe it. I seldom refer to it. It's almost too sacred an experience to name. Paul had an experience of which he didn't speak for 14 years. And I can only say that God revealed himself to me. And I had such an experience of his love that I had to ask him to stay his hand. Stop, God. Stop. This love, it's incredible. I went to preaching again. The sermons weren't different. I did not present any new truths, but hundreds were converted. I would not now be placed back where I was before. That blessed experience, if you should give me all the world, it would be as the small dust of the balance. The sermons weren't different. The servant was. The truths were not new, but they are now pungent and penetrating. A few had been converted before me. Now converts came by the hundreds. I just read you this paragraph too. More and more, Moody's preaching became characterised by the spirit of love. Declared the evangelist, this is what he said, the only way any church can get a blessing is to lay aside all difference or criticism, or coldness, and party feeling, and come to the Lord as one. 
and when the church lives in the power of the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians, which is where I just read from. I am sure that many will be added daily to the flock of God. And I'd like to have the church read that chapter together on their knees. And as you do so, pray God to apply it with power. Of late, my earnest prayer to God has been that he would help me to save more. And I cannot tell you how wonderfully he's answered my prayer. It seems as if you are all much nearer and dearer to me than ever. My heart goes out to you and I long to see you all coming constantly to God for a fresh supply of love. Ha, D.L. Moody, a famous preacher who set up Bible study schools and all that sort of stuff and has gone down in history. We love to herald him as the great Jesus-following, Bible-believing Christian testifies to the fact that none of it would have been like it was if he wasn't changed in an unexplainable encounter with the love by the power of the Holy Spirit, the Father's love. Did you get that? Did you get that? Love, love, love. If you want to walk in more of the kingdom of God, you can know all you want. But the Holy Spirit needs to come and anoint each of our lives in a love that can't come from us, a heavenly love, a love that knows no bounds, a love that breaks every evil assignment over our heart, a love that heals, a love that makes whole, a love so energetic and full of life that we experience and go, stop, I can't. I can't take it. It's the love of the best father you could ever imagine who knows you deeply, values you incredibly. It's the love that big brother came so that we would know when he went to the cross and rose again. And, and I want to finish this series simply by saying, if you've got a skerrick in your heart that says, I want to know what kingdom's about and I want to journey more in it, I want to encourage you as strongly as I can posture yourself to receive this love from heaven that only he can bring posture yourself for a baptism and anointing and overflow of his love and be changed and be changed so as I prepared for today I just I just have a very simple blessing to speak and, and it's a privilege to be able to release it, that in your life, you will know every bit of the Father's love in your heart that you need to know to live in the fullness of the inheritance that is yours of the Father's in Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. I just have these words that I'd like to speak. Um, and, and But I do want to make an opportunity. I, I think we'll stand. Can we stand together? And Banner Singers come back up because we're going to, we're just going to worship. And I want to encourage you, if it's burning on your heart and you know, I, I need this, I, I, I need this, then I want to encourage you as we sing this song to posture yourself to receive. 
And I want to suggest that maybe if you're wondering what does that look like, well, I want to suggest that you find your own space around this auditorium somewhere, and there's most of the room down the front here or something like that, to just posture yourself to receive. We're going to worship our great king, our dad. Um, And then at the end of this song, you be postured to receive and there's nothing tricky in these words. I'm going to release a blessing in Jesus' name of the Father's love. And then we're going to see what happens because only he can do this. Only he can. And so will will you lead us, Olivia, in in this? We're going to worship and I'm going to bless and then we'll see where we go. Yeah, thanks. Thanks so much for listening to Hope Community Podcasts. We hope you enjoyed today's message and remember to subscribe to the channel to keep up to date. From everyone here at Hope Community, have the best week.